Part three, chapter one of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part three, chapter one. The flames of the burning city illuminated the sky as far as the eye could reach. The full moon, rising behind the hills, took on the hue of molten brass from the glare which pervaded the atmosphere, and seemed to be staring with bewildered wonder at the perishing conqueror of the world. Rose-colored stars glittered in the rosy deeps of the firmament. But reversing the conditions of the normal night, the earth was brighter than the sky. Rome, like a gigantic funeral pyre, lit up the whole Campania. The blood-colored light fell upon far-away mountains, cities, villas, temples, and monuments. On the aqueducts, which extended from the neighboring mountains into the city, were crowds of people, swarming thither for safety or for a vantage point whereon to gaze upon the conflagration. Fresh districts of the city were being lapped up by tongues of fire. That criminal hands were adding fuel to the flames was evident from the fact that they broke out here and there far from their original center. From the seven hills whereon Rome was founded flowed billows of fire into the dense settlements in the valley, into five- and six-story houses, full of shops and booths, into movable wooden amphitheaters built for all sorts of public diversion, into storehouses for olives, wood, grain, nuts, and pine-cones, whose seeds were eaten by the poor, and into storehouses filled with clothing which the generosity of Caesar periodically distributed among the starving rabble that huddled into the narrow alleys. Here the fire, finding inflammable materials ready to hand, became a series of explosions. Whole streets were licked up with astonishing avidity. Spectators who were encamped outside the city, or who stood upon the aqueducts, could determine by the color of the flames what it was they had lit upon. The furious strength of the wind tore out from the burning abyss thousands, nay millions, of burning walnut and almond shells, which shot upward into the sky like brilliant butterflies, to burst with a crackling report, or to be driven into the remotest parts of the city, or upon the aqueducts, or the fields in the outlying country. All hopes of staying the conflagration had been abandoned. The confusion increased with every moment. On one side the fleeing population poured out of the city gates, while on the other the peasants and villagers and semi-savage shepherds of the Campania came rushing Romeward, lured by hopes of plunder. Here, there, and everywhere rose the cry, Rome is perishing! The expected destruction of the city relaxed all law, and all the bonds that had knit the population into an integer what wrecked the mob consisting largely of slaves and aliens for the sovereignty of rome the ruin of the city could but free them they exulted in it with wild menaces robbery and rapine hovered in the air the sight of the burning city stayed the hand of the mob for the moment but an outbreak of slaughter might begin whenever rome had fallen Hundreds of thousands of slaves, oblivious to the fact that Rome was not merely a locality but the master of legions all over the world, awaited but a signal and a leader. The name of Spartacus flew from mouth to mouth. But Spartacus was dead. Citizens mustered together and seized such arms as they could find. At all the gates monstrous rumors gained credence. Some asserted that Vulcan, at the command of Jupiter, was hurling destruction from the bowels of the earth, others that Vesta was avenging Rubria. 
men who thought thus made no effort to save anything from the wreck but flocked to the temples and besought the mercy of the gods the most general belief was that nero had ordered the burning of rome to rid it of the stenches that arose from the subura and to erect upon its ruins a new city which he would call neroia madness seized upon the populace at this thought had a leader but taken advantage of that ebullition of feeling as vinitius feared he might nero's hour would have struck many years sooner than it actually did it was rumored also that caesar had gone insane that he had ordered an indiscriminate slaughter of the people by praetorians and gladiators others again swore by the gods that the wild beasts of the menageries were to be let loose at the command of bronzebeard lions with burning manes elephants and bisons crazed with fear had been seen hurling themselves upon the struggling crowds of men and women nor was this without some foundation in truth in some places elephants scenting the approaching danger had burst the barriers of their pens and had crashed through the streets in a direction opposite to that of the fire carrying destruction with them in their flight it was estimated that tens of thousands of citizens had already perished in fact this was no exaggeration many distracted by the loss of property or dear ones had cast themselves despairing into the flames others were suffocated by the smoke in the centre of the city with the capital on one side the quirinal the viminal and the esquiline on the other and also between the palatine and the Celian hill where the streets were most densely thronged the flames burst out simultaneously in so many places that people fleeing this way or that cast themselves unexpectedly upon a new wall of fire and perished miserably in a flood of flame distracted bewildered terror-stricken the people knew not which way to turn the streets were piled up with goods and chattels some of the narrower ones were hopelessly blocked refugees who found their way to the squares and markets near the place where subsequently arose the flavian amphitheatre near the temple of the earth near the portico of silvia or higher yet near the temples of juno and lucinia between the clivus vibrius and the old esquiline gate succumbed to the awful heat places where the flames could not reach were afterwards found to be choked up with hundreds of charred bodies some of the victims had sought vainly to shield themselves beneath slabs of paving stones which they had torn up from the streets not a family in that portion of the city escaped without the loss of some members all along the walls and at the gates and on the highways outside went up the wails of women calling vainly on the names of dear ones who had been burned or trampled to death thus while some supplicated heaven others blasphemed the gods holding them responsible for this awful disaster to the temple of jupiter liberators streamed old men who cried with outstretched arms if thou be a liberator save thy altars and save the city but the wrath of the mob was turned chiefly against the ancient roman deities whom they held to be especially charged with the destinies of the city they had failed in the hour of need hence insults were their only portion on the via asinaria a procession of egyptian priests happened to be carrying the statue of isis which they had rescued from the temple near the Coelomontane gate the mob scattered the priests seized the chariot drew it to the appian gate and placed the statue in the temple of mars beating back the priests of that deity who sought to restrain them 
the names of serapis baal and jehovah were invoked the adherents of these alien gods swarmed out of the alleys near the sabura and the trans tiber filling the fields outside the walls with their cries and wails a triumphant note was sometimes heard above the clamor while some of the populace joined in a chorus glorifying the lord of the world others were incensed and sought to repress them by violence hymns floated upwards from some places sung by men in the prime of life by old men by women and children marvellous and solemn hymns whose meaning they could not grasp but in which arose continually the refrain behold the judge cometh in the day of wrath and disaster thus the burning city was enveloped by billows of unquiet wakeful beings like a tempest-tossed sea neither despair nor blasphemy nor him however was of any avail the catastrophe seemed to be as irresistible as complete and as pitiless as predestination itself stores of hemp caught fire around pompey's amphitheatre together with ropes and all variety of machines used in the circuses and arenas then followed barrels of pitch used for smearing the ropes which were stored away in adjoining buildings soon the entire city on the hither side of the campus martius was so brilliantly lighted by yellow flames that it almost seemed to the half-crazed spectators as though the order of day and night had been reversed so that they were gazing upon sunshine but in the end a hideous bloody gleam extinguished all other colors enormous fountains and pillars of flame shot up to the fiery heavens from that fiery sea their tops spread out into branches and feathers these the winds bore away changing them into golden threads or hairs or sparks and sweeping them onward over the campania towards the alban hills the night grew brighter the air seemed pervaded not only with light but with heat the tiber flowed on a river of flame the city had become a pandemonium the conflagration spread wider and wider stormed the hills flooded the level places submerged the valleys raged roared and thundered end of part three chapter one